Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety, so if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. Oh, Heinz! She's straight from the color! A sporting girl, I would imagine. A Belgish war! It saddens me that you have to see anything this common, madame. Per Francine! Per, per Francine! another episode of surviving chip flicks battle royale edition <laughs> i'm john and i'm in the right I, corner i'm sammy and i'm also in the right corner well and we have some special guests uh returning champions uh from this from all of our horror movie episodes especially the scream episodes we have mark returning hello and returning for his third week in a row, we have somehow roped Joseph into this again. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I <Yeah>. like <laughs> Um, That's a different podcast, sir. Oh, my bad. Yeah. So this week we are talking about the 1980 John Waters comedy, Polyester. For some of us, it's our first John Waters movie, I assume. Some of us, it's our second or third, and some of us are very well steeped in uh, the greatness that is. So we'll play the trailer and then we'll get into what is probably the last episode of Surviving Chick Flicks ever. <laughs> <laughs> blind with you, Cuddles. I think my marriage is on the rock. You'll never get a penny out of me, you fat hunk of cellulite. You'll be ready for the back seat in a minute. I quit school today, and I'm going to get me a job as a go-go girl. I cannot take another heartbreak. I just cannot take it. Anybody home? Oh, God. But I don't even know your name. It's Todd, honey. Todd? Todd tomorrow. I got a date with an angel. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
read my lips. I love you. I love you too, my darling. Then let's make love, you sweet little thing. French provincial. They do their best to stay neutral. Expressionless. All right, Polyester starring Divine, Tab Hunter, David Sampson, Edith Massey, the Egg Lady, Mink Stoll, Ken King, Mary Garlington, and Stiv Baders, written and directed by John Waters. So I want to start with Mark and go around the room. What was the first time? It's two questions. Uh, when was the first time you saw Polyester, and what was the first John Waters film you ever saw? All if right. It was something different. Okay. So the the first uh first John Waters film that I ever saw was Female Trouble and that was my big <laughs> introduction to his films This World. Uh was it the the, the cast was it the Dreamlanders is that what they called them right correct? Yeah. Uh, and and Divine and just this insane man and his view of the world. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. It was just, it was something so different from what I knew. And um, and he said that, that as far as this film, um, I saw it not too long after Female Trouble. And I actually didn't much care for it then, except now having seen it again, I just saw it with new eyes. Nice. Uh, let's go, Joseph. Uh, the first time I watched this movie was a couple days ago. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, that was my first time seeing it because I had no idea this this one existed. Uh, and my, yeah, you you only let me go so far. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, I really did. Uh, pink Fl- pink flamingos broke me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think the first John Waters movie I ever saw was Crybaby, of course, because it came on TNT or USA, one of those two networks. Sammy. Okay, so my first time seeing. Uh, polyester was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think my first John Waters movie was Crybaby also. Um, I would have said Hairspray, but I didn't know he didn't do the new version, and that's the only version I've seen. Yeah. I mean, he, he was involved as in, you know, they gave him a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, and he had a cameo. Yes, yes he did. Perfect cameo, too. <laughs> yes. I'm really yes. surprised I didn't notice that, because... I don't know who couldn't possibly remember that face. <laughs> hey, he once upon a time introduced himself as the creep. So, <laughs> all right. So for me, uh, uh, my first John Waters movie was actually Hairspray, and it, I saw it on TV. And I was young, and I was like, "What the hell is this? Why is this so weird?" And as for polyester. Uh, back in the day, there was this uh, store called Blockbuster, and <laughs> the one thing of that we ha- <laughs> yes, the one we ha- one of the ones we had here in town, which is now a Chinese food restaurant that I eat at way too much. Um, <laughs> I would go go there a lot because I worked close by, and they would have sales on their previously viewed stuff. And one day, I found a VHS of Polyester for like two ninety nine, and I was like. I know who John Waters is. I've heard things. Three bucks. 
what the hell. <laughs> and my friend Joel and I watched it, and both of us hated this movie. <laughs> it, <laughs> because, kind of like Jackie Brown with Tarantino, I didn't really know what John Waters was doing, and then getting some more context and a few more Waters films under my belt... I was able, whenever Criterion put this out on Blu-ray, to look at it with uh, fresh eyes. So it's kind of of nice that I I know I'm not the only person that hated this film the first time they saw it, which may be the case for everyone here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I had a three-paragraph short synopsis of this film written, and... uh, it's on my computer at work, so I'm going to wing it. <laughs> um, polyester is the story of Francine Fishpaw, a housewife played by no one, none other than Divine, who she doesn't have the best home life because her husband uh, shows dirty movies, causing the family to get family home to get protested and her spit on in the grocery store. Her daughter is. Um, let's just say very fast and loose and, <laughs> and um, her son is uh, a, a serial foot stomper wanted by the authorities. Uh, <laughs> and as uh, Francine's life spirals out of control, uh, she meets a man named playing a uh, man named Todd tomorrow played by Tad Hunter who shows her that uh, true love might be possible, but there's something sinister about Todd as well. Also, my favorite storyline in this movie is uh, the fact that her former cleaning lady, Cuddles, played by the wonderful Edith Massey, who we're going to talk about, (laughs) um, (laughs) comes into some money and is going through a debutante ball. (laughs) (laughs) I guess let the yelling begin. (laughs) Um, I kind of want to start with a history for the uninitiated of John Waters' uh, John Waters is, was an underground filmmaker. He got his start in the 60s. His uh, parents gave him a camera for his 17th birthday, and he would do things like take acid and go see uh, Ingmar Bergman films, uh, which Joseph, uh, he saw <laughs> Hour of the Wolf on oh, acid. Wow. Can you oh, imagine? I could not imagine that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in high school, he uh, hooked up with uh, this gentleman named Harris Glenn Melstead who he transformed into this uh, 300 pound drag queen nightmare known as Divine and started and with their friends which were all kind of a bunch of outsiders and you know a mixture of uh, gay people, straight people all artists and all really into drugs (laughs) and so they kind of bonded over, over that but John started putting them in films they started with uh some short films like uh roman candles and eat your makeup uh the diane linklater story which uh john takes great pride in the fact that they got that film into a theater the same day as diane linklater's funeral (laughs) but their their big success well the first uh feature they did was a film called multiple maniacs in which uh divine uh is raped by a lobster I feel like there's a block between me and John Waters that prevents me from understanding the point of what he's trying to do. Okay, well, <laughs> specifically for Pink Flingo, all right, specifically for Pink Flamingos, it was done as anarchy. He was basically, 
the Dreamlanders, as they were known, as they were, you know, known, or, were a bunch of hippies that wanted to piss off other hippies. And so they came up with stuff to really just shock and offend small underground audiences. And it ended up, like, making them incredibly famous, especially Divine, because um, really after Multiple Maniacs was whenever he first went to, um, I think he went to San Francisco and hooked up with Coquettes and did a bunch of stage work with them and then would come back to Baltimore to do Pink Flamingos. They followed that up with uh, definitely my favorite uh, of John Waters, at least of the underground films. Female Trouble, in which mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Divine plays uh, a character that wants to become famous and doesn't necessarily care how she does it. Uh, Don Davenport. Don Davenport. <laughs> so, funny enough, I got to give a, a shout out to my friend uh, Justin, um, who is uh, now engaged to our friend Kobe. He sent me and our friend Cody uh, this picture of someone from the. Um, it, it didn't have their picture, but it was a screenshot of someone from our, our county that had been arrested for theft, and the name was Don Davenport. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And our friend Cody, and our friend Cody was responded by saying, who is she? What did she do? And I was like, she stole some cha-cha heels. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> Open and shut case. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to also I wanted to say, but I don't think you would have gotten. He threw uh, <laughs> she threw a Christmas tree on her mom. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after Female Trouble came Desperate Living, which didn't feature Divine, but um, is pro- it was the last underground film that um, Waters made. Uh, when it was released, lesbian groups actually stopped and were tried to stop the film from being shown. And now lesbian groups show that in like, you know, film gatherings. It's kind of amazing how 40 years has changed opinions on films. But by the 80s, the age of the underground film was dead or at least dying. And home video became a thing. And so New Line Cinema gave Waters to make first commercial film, which was Polyester, which is a satire of both Douglas Sirk, like melodramas and women's pictures of the 50s. You know, the more hysterical, the better. But also a nice little nod to William Castle, who Waters would go on to play in uh, Feud, uh, Joan and Beth on uh, FX. Uh, who was a big fan of every time he put some kind of schlock in the theater, he had to have a gimmick. And Odorama, as this film opens up, (laughs) is his nod to William Castle. Thank you, John. I feel now, after all that context, that I still don't understand this film. (laughs) By the way, nice shout out to the Coquettes. I I don't hear that name very often, and... That that's that's pretty sweet. That's that's well, a very probably well known group up up here in this, these parts. So yeah, are they still performing? You know, I don't remember if they are. 
Um, obviously, we wouldn't have happened, you know, during COVID as they would have performed at the Castro Theater quite often. But I remember reading about them not that long ago, but I think it was just a retrospective and not necessarily about a, a, a new show or anything. Um, yeah. But it's just the fact that even when they get brought up, I just uh, I remember the group and I'm like, oh, that's right. I was like, I forget about them and yeah. the history there. So. Yeah. Well, and also in the last week preparing for this, not, not only did I watch Polyester about three times, once with Waters commentary, I also rewatched I Am Div- Divine, the documentary about Divine oh, yeah. and uh, John's uh, one man show, This Filthy World. So. The cockettes got brought up a lot in this house this week, so I had to I had to give them a shout out. Yeah, but if it wasn't for the cockettes, I don't know if you know Divine would have been the celebrity that she was because they kind of helped make her. Yeah, yeah. So, what everyone think? Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm really trying to decide how to approach this because I have so many questions. Um, well, ask Mark and I are here to answer your questions. <laughs> okay. I guess the first thing that I noticed is the opening song. I don't know if I'm the only one made me think of Rocky Horror. Um, maybe a little bit, but I'm glad you brought up the music because the opening song was sung by Tab Hunter and it was co-written by... Chris from Talking Heads and Debbie Harry of Blondie. Yeah. <laughs> and they did all of the music. And one of the songs in the film was sung by Bill Murray. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one. It, it's the one that's sung the poorest, naturally. But it's like, we laughed, we smoked, or something like that. But Bill Murray sang one of the songs in this movie. And it's not on any um, streaming services. In fact, a lot of the music from Waters films is not readily available because, you know, I would, I, I still need f- uh, female trouble the song like on some platform so I can play it a lot. Was that kind of a signature? Like, what's his? I guess what I was curious about is what's his connection to Baltimore and this uh, style of storytelling. Okay, he lives and made all of his films in Baltimore. He was born there. Okay, he and he will die there. Uh, that's 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 his home and has been for now seventy five years. Uh, although I do think he has a second house somewhere else, but um, Baltimore is his hometown. It's kind of like New Jersey with Kevin Smith, uh, you know, New York with Martin Scorsese, uh, New York with Spike Lee. You know, they have their, you know, they like to base their films in their home town. So. That that is Waters' connection to Baltimore. As for having a man play a woman, really, what that was is he would write a character and then go, the best actor gets the best part, and Divine of their group was the best actor. And if you've seen if you see any of the other Dreamlander films, he he was leaps and bounds over a lot of them especially ones like Cookie Muller and David Lockery. I mean, they were fine, but of, <laughs> of that group, Divine was the star. I mean, in her short... I know I'm going to be going back and forth over the pronoun thing because John calls Divine he and a lot of the Dreamliners say she, so I'm kind of going with that a little bit. But, I mean, Divine was able to 
not just get a, a movie career thanks to these underground films, but a stage career. She did a bunch of shows in uh, New York, you know, off Broadway. She had a music career, was almost on Married with Children, but tragically that didn't get to happen. Didn't Sam, Kin- uh, Sam Kinison take over that part, correct? Uh, Sam Kinison did show up yeah. on Married with Children, but was they like- were writing it. I think the character they were writing for Divine was yeah. like a gay uncle. Uh, oh, Sam Kinnison, okay. Yeah, Sam Kinison showed up as a guardian angel that drank and yelled. So he showed up <laughs> yeah, as Sam right, Kinison. That's right, that's right. That <laughs> was could have I, been same so. with like how they wanted they modeled. Uh, was it um, Ursula from Little Mermaid after Divine? Yes. So it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know the acting thing I kind of caught on to that kind of makes sense because. I mean, we'll kind of get into that because that's sort of, oddly enough, that's going to be my compliment about this movie. But I think I texted you probably 10 minutes into the watching of this film, and I had a very unique reaction. I don't know. I'm curious if anybody else had this reaction. Um, Never in all of the films that I have ever seen has a character made me want to commit homicide more than Lulu. Okay. Uh, I, this is going to sound harsh, but had halfway through the movie, had she gotten hit by a bus, I would have laughed. <laughs> well, a bus does appear in the movie, which we'll get oh, into. Um, <laughs> yes. So the lady that played Lulu was, um, this is the only John Waters film, to my knowledge, that she's been in. Um, she was a local actress, and they held auditions, and... Um, she read for the part. John asked, have you seen any of my other movies? And she said, no. And he went, great, you're hired. <laughs> and I, oh, that I, makes so much sense. I actually enjoyed her role more than anybody else's on this, on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, it's funny. What, the way Lulu acts reminded me of the way Heather Graham's character acts in Chubby Rain in Bowfinger. Like the same <laughs> movements and everything. <laughs> well, and granted, I'm pretty sure the son was just John Waters writing himself as the younger person. You, I think mm. you're totally spot on there. I, exactly. <laughs> I mean, with that, with the acid trips, the thinking he's an artist, the you know, I just, I don't know. Well, uh, he definitely did put a lot of real experiences in the in this mo- movie, specifically those between him and his lifelong friend Mary Vivian Pierce, including the uh, no the flipping each other off under the table was him and Pat Moran, the casting director. But um, things like creating fake dates to go meet up with your <laughs> with your friends, or you know, in this case, your terrible boyfriend Bobo. That was based on John Waters and Marion Vivian Pierce's life because they were at one point banned from seeing each other by their parents, I think authority <laughs> figures. So they would set up fake dates and then she would, just, I, I think John told a story where she literally jumped out of a moving car to go meet up with John. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And then obviously the date would go back and tell the parents, but the, by that point it was too late. Right, and that was so much, you know, I didn't, you can probably tell, you can probably tell us having seen both, but I don't know how much variation there was between the old one and the new one, 
but I didn't think it was that odd of a movie. Like, it's a plot that makes sense. It's a story that tracks. And not that the story was, I mean, you could kind of piece together what was going on, but it was so, it was so bizarre. Yeah, well, this is a transitional movie for John because he, you know, he wasn't making anything for Anarchy. He was making it to try to, you know, can just be a legitimate filmmaker. But, and he's had offers over the years to do, you know, different kinds of films and he he's even said he's like i could have made a lot more money doing what i do but it's not personal you know he's got that david lynch thing turning down return of the jedi it's like it's not my vision it would be george's you know john waters doing someone else's stuff wouldn't be john's vision so in a way i admire that stubbornness But, I mean, yeah, so, all of his films are incredibly personal. Why do you think, one of the biggest things I was confused about as the movie progressed, I mean, they started out as this family that was having issues with the outside world uh, because of her husband's occupation and wanting to show, you know, or opening up an adult movie theater. And then it all became entirely internal. Why was it that... Everybody hated Francine so much. But usually a lot of his films do have some kind of um, connection to his youth or something he did. I mean, Hairspray was just a love letter to growing up in Baltimore in the 60s. Well, part of it has to do with the fact that Divine was a monster from uh, the beginning of their career to this point. And it was John wanting to, John and Divine wanting to kind of have her play a different type of character, you know, um, cause you know, pink flamingos and multiple maniacs. She's literally killing people. Um, she killed, I think she killed some people in, um, multiple maniacs as well, but here, I mean, it's her first time playing like a real character. And usually in melodramas, there's one person, um, and feel free someone to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that, all the bad things are happening to them. And then they kind of get their... Go ahead. I'm drowning. <laughs> no, it, it just seemed like that was that was the point of the movie, that she just she her life is shitty and she has no idea how to get out of it. Yeah. And, and just, no matter what she does, it just gets worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And her husband is a complete moron piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, and all I had to... I literally have a note that said... Of course, Sandra is the secretary. <laughs> of course, yes. Of course, of course. Should they remake like, this? They really should call on Lady Gaga to play the part. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, <laughs> I think she'd do it. Right. And, yeah. And also, with, oh, go, no, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I say, Sammy, you said the 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 daughter Lulu was the one that annoyed you. Uh, Sandra annoyed the crap out of me in this movie. I hated well, it. Well, well, Sandra's supposed to annoy the crap out I, of me. I know, but I just, I just literally wanted her to get off screen. <laughs> also, I think this is the first uh, John Waters film where Mink still played a character that was still alive at the end. Yeah, yeah, and and, yeah. and it actually looked. Not, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think in the other movies because I don't remember offhand, but like in Female Trouble, they, they made her look like a young, ugly child. Whereas, like in this one, she was an older lady, and she's supposed to be somewhat pretty, but you know, she's yeah. Well, and she's playing an homage to uh, Bo Derek in Ten with, with the, the braids. Yes, yeah. yes. Indeed. Those braids disturbed me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I know it was very like it was very weird. They were very like odd and out of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, of all of 
uh, John's co-stars. I think Mink Stoll is my favorite. She's been in every single one of his films. And usually, and she gets cast in other people's films, playing basically a character that John would have uh, written for her. I mean, is there much difference between so, you know, a character John wrote and their character in But I'm a Cheerleader? Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> which is like a direct result of having watched Water Cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. No, it's funny you should bring that up because, like, when I'm when I'm thinking about, yeah, there there is that question. It's like, how do these films get made? How does this get out there? And you know, when like you were saying that the 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 whole thing about him getting together with like the yellow hippies and making something that's gonna piss like hippies off or just piss people off in general because this mm-hmm. is considered being like him him his work and the work of the Dreamlanders being a big part of queer cinema. Yeah. And and here's the thing, because there'll be many gay people who will not want to be associated with these films because of the content, right? It's very destructive. Yeah. It's very different from the norm. When this came out, when, when all these movies came out, I should say, and heading up into the polyester, you know, there was a lot of stuffy gay cinema like Boys in the Band. I And I get it. It's like some people don't want to even, like, be associated with that film because it's just nothing but drama and like venom being flung at each other <laughs> and, and you know yeah. something like this type this type of movie and the movies that came before comes along where like it's just totally in your face and it's just completely different and and again using that word disruptive and it, it's just interesting to see how these movies play out because like to think of like when female trevor came out and like, basically, I was sat down and, like, you know, given Gay 101, you have to see this film. It just, this is the beginning of you coming out. Watch this film. And, <laughs> and I watched Female Trouble. And yeah. just sitting there taking this in. I was like, what is this? I've never seen anything like this in my so, life. You know? So, and, and it's just crazy. <laughs> all right. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Gays have pink flamingos. Lesbians have desert hearts. Oh jeez, yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> and personal best. And uh yes. <laughs> and bound. You know, but the young... just, okay, but I, I actually kind of uh see what you're saying. This movie, he didn't just handle one topic, he handled a lot of very sensitive topics <laughs> in a way that almost mm-hmm. seemed cavalier. Does this okay, here's here's a question. Does this movie get made in twenty twenty one? I think this one could. Um Multiple maniacs, free, uh, um, female trouble, desperate living, pink flamingos. I don't see those getting made in 2020, even though someone's trying to reboot, uh, do a new version of Faces of Death. So I, I don't know. That. 2021's uh, kind of wacky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but How I, do I think Faces of Death in 2021. That's. I think it's just going to be a shitty anthology film like ABCs of Death. Oh, don't even try. <laughs> I'm not involved with it. Yeah. No, I was to whoever. Don't even try, yeah. please. But I don't know what Mark, what do you think? Could this movie be remade in twenty twenty? polyester yeah i think you could you could definitely swing it and just just tweak a couple of different things you know um we're in an era where there's a lot of strange things and a lot of things that people believe that just 
blows our minds. So it's like, yeah. why not? And then it would be and find a way to make it disruptive for this era. You know, some yeah. things, some things will transfer over well. Some things, again, just need to be updated. But, um, you know, but that I mean, it's like, what would you do with the divine character there? You know, that's a pretty unique character and yeah. and, and person you know, who made that particular role come to life. So, but yeah, all in all, it's, it's interesting. After all these years, like I said, I I appreciate it much more now than I did before. Cause before I just didn't quite get it. And I, 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 after seeing female trouble, this one seemed like a letdown to me, which is kind of weird, but now I'm like, okay. I was like, I get it now. I was like, I like, I was laughing, you know, I was just, I was enjoying (laughs) it, you know? So yeah, it's, it's interesting what, what that, how much time has passed and how what i think of the film now and how that's changed so totally um well and if they did remake polyester i mean they they've done a, a, a stage show of hairspray and the edna character is always played by a man so yeah I there think you go waters i think in water's tradition you, you gotta keep doing that there you go okay <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> yeah. Man, and just kind of the irony in a movie filled with so much kind of serious, sort of grotesque subject matter. And it's not holding back. It's not like it handles it in a delicate way. <laughs> they decide the villain of the film is going to be the Baltimore foot stomper. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I gotta admit, whenever he, he don't do acid, kids. You might you might stomp on random people's feet. Um, he wasn't doing acid. He was doing angel dust or oh, airplane sorry. glue. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, but whenever he does stomp someone's foot, just his reaction is like, did he have an orgasm when he did that? Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> and the music that's playing. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> oh, and and all three of the victims that we see in the film are from older John Waters films. Like the the one in the supermarket, I can't remember her name, but she was in I think she was in Eat Your Makeup, is what John said. But mm. uh Cookie Muller was the one <laughs> in the wheelchair. It's like, I got three broken toes. <laughs> and and sadly, this was um the last film she was in for John, uh, she passed away from AIDS not oh. not long after that. But um, there's there are s- several actors and, and actresses in this film that this was their last time working with John, who would tragically pass on in different ways. Um, Divine at least got one more, but uh, Stiv Bader's who played Bobo, who's the lead sing- who was the lead singer of the Dead Boys, one of the early punk bands. Uh, he died in Paris after this film was made. He got hit by a car, and he was uh, he did the thing you're not supposed to do when you have a concussion. He, you know, he went to sleep against doctor's orders, and he just didn't wake up. Jeez! Oh, but he thought he was going to be okay because, uh, you know, he was used to you know kind of abusing himself on stage, you know, jumping into crowds, getting knocked around, and you know. He just miscalculated that one. And apparently, according to John, his girlfriend, uh, Stiv's girlfriend, uh, said, because um, Stiv was cremated, 
don't worry, I smoked, I snorted his ashes. And, oh, <laughs> and no. even John, and even John was like, no, don't. <laughs> I do have to say, I thought it was a very interesting choice that both of the kids did a complete 180 mm-hmm. by the end of the movie. And I thought it was interesting, like it was a neat little quirk to their character arc, I guess you could call it. But it seemed so random and out of nowhere. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. It just happens Whoa. so quick. Never have I seen an arc just unfold so quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really think it unfolded. It just was like, you know, opening up a, a tarp just flung at you. Uh, uh, well, but, I mean, Lulu did go to the home for unwed mothers and you know, I guess found religion or the or a new obsession with macrame, and then uh, Dexter went to prison and was rehabilitated because that's what happens. Um, <laughs> well, I loved how she uh, she killed the Sandra with the with that. Uh, yeah, it was, like, it was not supposed to be. It was not meant to be used for killing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was. I actually laughed out loud on that part. That was pretty. There's good. a there's a lot of great lines. Most of them come coming out of Edith Massey's mouth. Oh yes, I love which, cuddles. Me too. <laughs> well, I love Edith Massey in general. Yeah. Um, yes. Which I I believe I prepared uh, Sammy a little bit by saying, "Look, there's going to be this uh, actress in this movie that seems like they just went to a bar and got a a drunk to play a part, and they did." <laughs> They literally did. Um, no, she was kind of low-key. She was one of the best parts of the film. Just yeah. because her kind of like blissful oblivion was yes. sort of refreshing. Well, she was yeah. absolutely oblivious to everything going on around her that didn't involve her. So, <laughs> so Sammy, that's not really acting. <laughs> that's, that's how she lived her life. Because I, mean, uh, I, think, I think it was Susan Lowe who played... Uh, one of the other foot stomping victims who was the star of desperate living. Uh, they, she was at a bar, like a dive bar there in Baltimore and saw Edith and called John's like, you got to get down here right now and meet this lady and <laughs> started a friendship. And um, everyone on the set wanted to kill her because um, Edith, uh, Edith tried her heart out and she did memorize her lines, but it would be, she would just have trouble doing it. Like, you know, they couldn't get her to say the word poor correctly, which is <laughs> my favorite part. And whenever she's like, per Francine, per, per Francine. <laughs> she used to drive divine nuts. Also, she had a bad habit of whenever she would uh, memorize her lines. She also memorized the stage directions as if they were directions. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, as, as if they were lines to say. <laughs> Oh, but, but she was just this sweet lady that um, she also had like an interesting career because of John. Um, I mean, after the movie started coming out, she was in a punk band for a while. She actually had a single, which was, I think, a cover of uh, uh, Big Girls Don't Cry. Uh, she had a thrift store there in Baltimore. Oh, my God. That was basically just an ex- excuse to, you know, have a place where she could come hang out and let people just come see her and she would make these little grab bags for 25 cents and the neighborhood uh kids would sell them and they'd open them up and it would all be garbage and whenever they would call her out on it they she would just be like can't be a winner every day (laughs) (laughs) Um, well i like 
It was one of my favorite parts. I know it was terrible. I should not have laughed. I felt like a terrible human being every time I laughed in this movie. When Francine put the rope around her neck and was trying to kill herself with the refrigerator door, I think <laughs> that one was very thought through. Yeah. And Cuddles comes in and she doesn't even say anything no. about her friend trying to kill herself. I just love that, you know, she's Francine's life's falling apart and they're in the limo and she offers her a drink and she's like wow Francine you're the drinkingest gal I've ever seen <laughs> that's because yeah. she's an alcoholic yeah. and you don't remember the AA meeting you took her to yeah. by the way Heinz for the win okay so. yes <laughs> um, and Heinz was apparently a mater d at a restaurant there in Baltimore and he yeah. really looked like that oh that's awesome yes <laughs> Oh, we 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 kind of skipped over the uh, the bus chase. I, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. Okay, <laughs> so that was apparently a thing racists in Baltimore's did was would drive around with a broom and hit minorities on the butt. Um, and the, what? I can't remember what John. Yes, that was a real thing. And then the lady that they hit, uh, uh, the black lady, was Jean Hill, who first started working with John uh, on Desperate Living. And apparently, whenever she auditioned for that, uh, he was he wrote the role specifically for a two hundred pound black woman. And someone said, "What about a four hundred pound?" And she came and read. And on meeting John, grabbed his crotch. So I think he was like, "All right, so this is the right relationship." Right. <laughs> and in this movie, when she bit the tire, she really bit the tire and like broke her to- her teeth came out and they had to take her to the dentist the next day and she said john was like john's like gene you don't actually have to bite it but she was committed i was just gonna say man she's committed to the art exactly and uh she actually was uh the last time she worked with john was uh his last film to date which was a dirty shame so oh wow yeah i'm assuming she was in one of the sexaholics meetings Well, whenever the because I had no idea that was going to happen, I was just like, you know, it'd be funny if she actually started got, uh, stole the bus and actually started, taking it down. and that's exactly what happened. Yes, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm on board for this part. This is pretty good. I like that. Mm-hmm. It didn't didn't later uh, didn't Louis like I don't know what happened to your uh, to your eye? I was like, weren't you there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did, didn't you see it happen? <laughs> Again, like Cuddles, probably just blissfully unaware. <laughs> blissfully yeah. unaware that the guy she's seeing just got his <laughs> face beat in by a big black woman. <laughs> yeah. And then later would have his door ripped off by her mother. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, I have okay, a- by the way, oh, something I noticed. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And what a... What movie you selected, John, for Mother's Day? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even plan this. I, I was just like, when is, the, when is the earliest I can get a John Waters movie on the schedule? And this, this is the weekend we did it. And this is the one that you selected. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, technically, Won't Back Down just came out. So that's, the, that's really the episode for Mother's Day weekend. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to oh, take sorry. six days to edit this. <laughs> Dang. But her, I mean, her mother in this film is probably my second least favorite character. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she, too, was, uh, I think she was a local actress as well. But she continued working. Usually she would work with, like, low-budget directors kind of making, you know, their films and would play a very similar character all the time. And my source on this is John from the commentary. But, you know, uh, it's like everyone was either a dreamlander or just some local person that they uh, hired or, or, or Stiv Bader's. Because I don't <laughs> think Stiv was based out of Baltimore. But this is also the first time John worked with someone in the punk community, which is weird considering Pink Flamingos kind of did usher in some punk fashion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. I was just, you know, it's funny. I was looking up the date that this movie made its debut, and it was May 29th, 1981. So it's about to be 40 years old. You know, you don't have to re- remind people of that, Mark. <laughs> Whatever. Some, Mark, some I of am us so were, glad that you just said that. Some <laughs> of us were born in 81. <laughs> I'm a lot older than you are, sir. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm handling a lot better than some people are handling 30. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right now. There's no there's no need to, to throw shade. I could have been throwing shade at Joseph. You know what's so funny? I, I, I have to throw this out there. I, I had a friend at one time, and when he turned 30, he was just absolutely devastated and would not leave the house. And guess where he was from? <laughs> Texas. <laughs> San Antonio. <laughs> Outside of San Antonio. I yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, yeah. he just could not handle it. It just was just the most devastating thing in his life. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> John, do you think it has anything to do with like being a, a like a culturally southern thing that by a certain age, I I maybe it's 30. There's certain milestones in your life that you're expected to hit in the South that's not necessarily the same yeah. everywhere else. You know, in some circles, I'm going to say yes, but the truth is uh, milestones are bullshit. Uh, you hit your milestone when you hit your milestone. There's no Agreed. age limit. That, that's interesting. That's an interesting thought. It, it, that yeah. yeah, I wonder... But you see, when Sammy hits 30, I know how to get her out of the house. We're just going to, me and our friend Sandy, we'll just put some uh, Whataburger taquitos on a fishing line and just lure her out of the house. <laughs> what is wrong Come with on. you? That only, works when, that only works when I've been drinking. It doesn't work before I've been drinking. I think, what? I think he's waiting until after you start drinking because you're going to start starting. <laughs> it's going to be like the week ahead of time. <laughs> The week before, the week after. (laughs) If you could visually see my age right now, there's claw marks in it as I am desperately clinging (laughs) to my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) For dear life. Oh my god, that's great. (laughs) I don't want to leave them behind. No, I do think it's an observation, but my, my roommate, when I was in school, she made this point because she went to college in Denver. And she said it's an entirely, but she's from Texas. She says entirely different environment. She said down here, all of her friends from where she grew up, which was in the panhandle, are all married. They're all married. They all have kids that are her age. And she said you go to, she goes to Colorado, and all her friends up there are single. 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's just an entire it's just an entirely different environment. Yeah. Yeah. You think it maybe it's because they have the legal weed up there, so they just don't give a shit? <laughs> it could be that. Quite possibly. It's a yeah. lot of beer also. And there's a lot of good scenery. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's you're right. I mean, what's weird is a lot of people that um are from the East Texas region where we are have moved to Colorado and worked in and either worked or are working in breweries. Oh and, and, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and one of them I won't. One of them I won't name, um, but uh, he came back down and he was talking about how, with his first paycheck at his uh, wherever he was working there in Colorado, they gave him like a nickel bag to go along with his first paycheck. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I do have to pay this movie a compliment. It took me a while to get adjusted to it, and you you kind of gave me you kind of gave me a warning that this was gonna happen, that this was the style of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I see what you were saying earlier when you mentioned how good Divine actually was, and mm-hmm. this is a distinction for me. This is why I hated Lulu so much, in particular, in one of the first scenes she had with her mom, where she was sort of like where she was sort of stomping her feet. There, this movie was full of good actors. It was mm-hmm. terrible acting, but it was purposeful. You could, you could actually, if you were paying attention, you could see they were intentionally trying to overact. And it takes a skill level in order to be able to do that at the caliber they were doing it. It was, it made sense. It was completely intentional. Lulu, not so much. That was just bad acting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. And, and, and in a way, and in a way, Cuddles kind of was the same thing. But yeah. most of the act- well, actors in this, everything they did was intentional, and you could see mm. it. Well, and that's part of why I did decide to go ahead and, for lack of a better word, warn you because I knew had you gone into this blind, you would have sent me a text of what in the Tommy Wiseau is this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Be, and so I'm like, look, all of this is on purpose, and, you know. It, and I'm glad that that helped you see that some of them were stronger actors than the others, because camp is, especially purposeful, purposeful camp is very hard to do. And if uh, you need a definition of what uh, camp is, you can just watch John Waters' episode of The Simpsons when he tries to explain it to Homer. It's camp. The tragically ludicrous? The ludicrously tragic? Oh, yeah, like when a clown died. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the episode where uh, Jackie O thought that Mindy lived with Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to our friend Mindy. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I think I sent y'all a screen cap of that, because that's like my second favorite episode of The Simpsons, and I will watch it religiously. (laughs) Oh, I forgot to say that I, I really enjoyed the opening shot of going through the house. I thought that was really beautifully done. It it was, and it took several attempts to to do that. It was actually John's first Steadicam shot and the helicopter shot. Um, because at the moment they were trying to make this film, uh, John Waters was trying to be under the radar with a lot of things because of this, because he had a little bit of a notorious reputation. And so he he didn't want to 
piss you know neighbors off it unfortunately still happened and at the time multiple maniacs um uh, because it was going up uh for some kind of screening in a uh they had to resubmit it to the local censor board and one of the censors in in the local paper said my eyes were assaulted for 90 minutes (laughs) (laughs) my that was my oh. other compliment for this movie. There was a lot of really, really well done um, mm. shooting in this film. Like, just kind of the way the scenery was shot, um, the way he sort of set up some of the some of the action that happened. Mm. I actually really, I thought that was a good job. Also, yeah. as far as pissing off his neighbors, when you have one of, you know, one of your scenes is a guy driving around uh, using a bullhorn to scream about how fat his wife is. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yes. might piss some people off yeah well um well with the the scenery i mean every film uh the budget uh got bigger like uh somehow for pink flamingos he can i think he convinced his dad to give him ten thousand dollars and they were like and everyone's like how do you make a movie for ten thousand dollars and they're like you don't understand this is like huge budget for us so yeah. and it, each yeah. time it would get bigger um because by this point, he was actually playing with um, New Line Cinema money, which I know that it was pre-Nightmare on Elm Street, so they weren't really the major player that they became. They weren't the house that Freddie built, but they were getting there. This is also John's last non-union movie, and he he said, I kind of wish I'd done them all <laughs> union. Because by this point, he was trying to do things right. And also, in, a try, in an attempt to try to do things as much under the radar as possible and not make any noise and not attract any attention. The helicopter that took that aerial shot uh, had to make an emergency crash landing on a golf course. (laughs) And and the poor cinematographer has never gone up in a helicopter again. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It's funny. The one thing about uh, Todd Tomorrow, uh, Tab Hunter, it's like I... I probably had, but I didn't really pay attention to his singing until the beginning of this film where he's singing the theme song, right? Yeah. Um, And then the fact that he was such a big heartthrob, right, at, at when mm-hmm. he was younger, and then he comes out later in life, in, very much in like a Rock Hudson, <coughs> you know? Um, yeah. Because like, that's what his character kind of reminds you of, like that Rock Hudson type, like leading man, right? Um so it was interesting to see him play in this part and especially to think that he's part of this film, you know, I mean, yeah, a, a little, again, it's like a little gift back to queer viewers just because, you know, a lot of them may have grown up watching him when he was younger and to see him still playing these leading roles and then to find out he's gay. And it's just, yeah, just the same with, again, going back to rock cuts and it's just the way it's so complicated in the way these, these, folks went under the radar with their lives up until it was okay for them to say so and a lot of times it was when their careers were already over yeah and um rug i mean not rug has uh tab hunter has always spoke highly of this film because um his agent actually didn't want him to do it and he was just like I, i'm doing dinner theater and you know <laughs> some wherever and he's like this can only help my career at this point uh, and uh, apparently Divine, growing up, had the hugest crush on Tab <laughs> Hunter. So the first, because they only had him for seven days because they couldn't really afford him for the whole yeah. shoot. So they had to push, all, they had to shoot the entire movie and then his scenes in like seven days. So the first 
day they're shooting is whenever he and Divine are dancing, and Divine, who never got starstruck, was nervous as, as oh. hell. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, his, uh, his character was kind of a... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say. Um, and there's a great documentary about uh, Tab Hunter called um, Tab Hunter Confidential, and they speak about... And he's Tab and his uh, partner are also in the I Am Divine documentary, and both spoke highly of this film and what's funny is a uh, tab was he was friends with john up until the day he did uh pass away and before he passed away well, <laughs> tab made sure to tell john that he voted for trump just to rile john up because oh. he was a lifelong republican wow yeah so oh. the the parallel with rock hudson is very very apt at that point. yeah yeah well you know it's funny now that you mentioned that about them both um about how starstruck uh divine was with tab hunter they would end up working together not too long after this in lust in the dust so yeah. that that makes me love that movie even more um, I now that i know lust that in... yeah i oh, need to see lust in the dust it's yeah, fun and it, i think the, i think either kino lorber or one of these 18 billion um, boutique Blu-ray labels just put it out. Uh, and I love the t- that her sister uh, is played by uh, the, the mom from uh, my big Lady Greek wedding. Lady yes. Kazan. Thing. Lady Kazan, yes. <laughs> Apparently um, Divine kept referring to her on set as her older sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun, man. It's and it, And it's much more... It's it's a cult film, but it's got more of a mainstream flavor to it, and the yeah. acting is a little bit more of a notch step up from like what we see here. And so it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, it's it's one that I need to watch again soon because I yeah. I, I remember it fondly. Yeah, I've had I've heard it as you know kind of compared as as like a nod to Peck and Paw, which you know <laughs> you would think like Tab Hunter and Divine in a western would be a lot campier but i've heard i hear it's more of a a western than you would think yes yes very much so it's like a lot of those western tropes are definitely throughout that film yeah i'm gonna have to seek that one out soon <laughs> you know Todd tomorrow his character to me was just a big question mark i was trying to understand what was his what was his end game in all of this was it was he purely doing what he was doing just because of his relationship with her mother? Yeah, pretty much. I guess some of the plot points got lost. Like, what was her mother trying to gain from all of this just to ruin her life? Yeah, basically, he was. she was trying to ruin um, Francine's life so that way she could institutionalize Francine sell the children into prostitution and then sell, basically sell the house and um, sell the theater and then get all the money. And, and move to Vegas. And move to yeah. Vegas, yeah. You know, as one does. Exactly. Yes. I was just saying, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> okay, yeah. I totally missed that part about selling the children into prostitution. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that escaped me. Well, I did read the Wikipedia article just kind of before, during all the research, and um, whenever the end sequence happens and um, Flashlight shows up, their uh, Lou Ray and uh, Todd's friend, 
there are there are some lines that are said uh, that indicate they were both going to be sold into prostitution. And there was also a cut scene in there where uh, Dexter had uh, started using drugs again. So if you look closely at the end and you wonder why he's only got one eyebrow, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that because like, I saw it at the end. I'm like, what happened to his eyebrow? <laughs> uh, apparently he relapsed and John was just like, I don't think we need to see him relapse. So yeah. he's just unfortunately in there with one eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, or when she's passed out on the floor and she calls in Heinz to help her get her dressed because, you know, that's what you do to a person that's so drunk they're passed out. You take them shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, right? She pukes in her purse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the worst line is, I think the most uncomfortable I was in the film is when they're at the AA meeting, and I can't remember if it was testify or when they called her up, and all the people started saying it at the same time. (laughs) And? And? (laughs) 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 All right. Well, since Mark stole mine, um, my best line. Sorry. (laughs) I think I think since you took per per, per Francine, which that's fine. Uh, I will have to go with cuddles, looking at the dresses, and when she just uh, pulls one off, he's like Rasha Sha. That kills me every time. Uh, Halston, how oh Karant. Uh, and as for worst line, uh, I'm going to. It's sadly not a funny line. It's. Uh, I have to give it to Stiv Bader's character, Bobo, whenever he uh, uses the F slur that rhymes with my last name. So, <laughs> which, I mean. But in this, it's John Waters certified, so I, there you have it. I, I know, but still, it's just like. I know, I know, uh, I know. That is the one moment that it does pull me out of the film. It's like, oh, that did not age well. No, and that, no and it did not. This is weirdly the only part of this movie that I personally thought did not age well. So, which is says which says more about me than it does the movie. <laughs> All right, so uh, next category: uh, things about the movie that you liked that we haven't talked about yet, or as I like to call it now, John's boogie nights rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, why don't you go? <laughs> so I, it, it's funny because. I at first like I, I you know Edith Massey's Edith Massey and it's like you said her her acting and everything can be a little hard to take at times but I fell in love with her as Cuddles in this film and her and Heinz relationship and how things ended up and how she had a happy ending you know yeah and, and she was Francine's only friend as oblivious as she was she was the only friend who stuck by her mm-hmm. and wanted her to succeed even though she was just like i said she just didn't realize what francine was going through though (laughs) she was so busy focusing on her her cotillion and everything and or or you know the debutante whatever it is the the ball that she was doing but um it just was so interesting to see this character who just really was had a kind heart and was so lost in themselves and just and she was new money so there was that you know right um but 
it, it just seeing her journey and by the the way it all ends and how she and Heinz end up saving the day. It's really Heinz, right. but still they because they're part of Francine's life, they make the next part of Francine and her children's life possible. And so yep. yeah, again, Cuddles and Heinz, I, I love them. <laughs> Joseph, yeah, you're right about that. That was it's uh she's the only one that kept her sane for the whole movie. Everybody else was just treating her like complete dog shit. Yes, the whole, like, even though she was completely oblivious. So, Sammy, you want to start asking the big questions? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what you just said is a good segue into um, one of our segments, Best Line, Worst Line. Um, and I say this Best Line, most of them. <laughs> Oh, it's funny you should say that. But let's start start with our guests. Okay, so <clears throat> we just kind of pick out what we think is the best line in the film and the worst line in the film. Uh, Mark, or do you want to go first? Sure. So we're gonna say best and worst line. Uh huh. All right. So I think a, a best line. I'm gonna have to go with the per per per, and it's gonna forever <laughs> make me think of John going forward. Just Thanks, so you know, Mark. John, okay? You're welcome. Yeah. It's Thank forever you. tied to you. The worst yeah. line. Worst line, and it's it's worst, but I love it, and it makes me laugh every time I hear it. It's, and he goes, and he goes, married, and he goes, I'm getting an abortion, and I can't wait. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, oh, it's my turn. My bad. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think my my favorite line in here, whenever he catches uh, Divine, uh, what what is her name in the movie? Francine. Francine. Yes. Sorry, I'm terrible with names in movies. Uh, catches her husband with uh, with the, his secretary, and she's like, "Coitus interruptus much?" Or <laughs> like, that, that's a that's a really good one. I like that. No. Uh, worst line. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of lot pretty bad lines. <laughs> You shut your mouth, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything that uh, Sandra said, uh, she, uh, her character really grated on my nerves. <laughs> yeah. It really did. I was just—I know that was the you, point for, but it was at the same time. I was just like, oh my god, I do not like this character at all. Mink, Mink Stoll was too good at her job. <laughs> she was way too good at her job. I really wanted to punch her in the face. <laughs> So violent, Sammy. Okay, really, my best line just comes down to anything Cuddles said at a very inappropriate time. <laughs> Probably in the limo when she said, "You're one of the drunkenest women." Just everything that's going on. It's like she was at least there for, her. <laughs> and you know, got her through things. Even though she didn't realize she got her through alcoholism. <laughs> She she kind of helped her through it, but one of my favorite things, um, it was just a quick little stupid joke. Uh, I think it was a car, it was a car wreck, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, was it a head that he picked up? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Nobody paid attention to it. <laughs> and what like, was he even? What was he even doing there? <laughs> He was waiting on Francine. But it's that was the most awkward meet cute of anything I've ever seen. Right? 
Right? I thought maybe he had caused it on purpose or something and then like acted like he didn't just so that they could meet. Yeah, it's it weird. made no sense what he was doing there. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> but yeah, I just like that part where he just, nobody's paying attention to him. He just throws it into the woods. Like, yeah, nobody's going to give a shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Maybe that was the indication that he did cause the accident. <laughs> it probably was, but I'd love that part. That was. Mm-hmm. That one that was another part that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> All right, Sammy, you have to say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I do have something to say. Um my fa- one of my favorite parts of the movie is just that kind of brief section towards it was in the first part of the movie, but it wasn't it was more towards the middle, I guess, where she really the first time she really starts getting harassed when he's calling her on the phone all the time with Sandra and starts driving around the neighborhood. Her mother comes by the house, is harassing her. Her daughter is harassing her. Her son's screwing up. Just that kind of moment to that culminates in her breaking down on mm. the floor and then eventually Cuddles finding her. I really like that because that was the first... Not only was it, I thought it was really well shot because it was kind of like you got the feeling. It was almost suffocating the way that it was filmed. And mm. then that was the first time I noticed that the acting was actually good. Yeah, Divine does the breakdown really well, uh, especially like towards the end, whenever uh, Todd and uh, Larue are trying to uh, call the uh, institution, and she's sitting there like almost like barking like a dog, just because she's just snapped mentally. Yeah. yeah. Am I the only one that thought that kind of reminded me of Three Stooges a little bit, the way she was barking like that? <laughs> I, I just I just kept thinking of Three Stooges. Like, why am I thinking of Three Stooges right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I w- it wouldn't put, you know, I, I would assume that John Waters was probably a Three Stooges fan. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it, to be honest. <laughs> then again, he might have thought Three Stooges is the stupidest shit in the world. John Waters is kind of weird on you know, his takes sometimes. <laughs> I mean, he just released uh, an album of prayer to Pasolini, who made Sallow. I mean... <laughs> um, so, uh, I have one thing that we hadn't talked about that I'm going to put it in the like column, uh, just because I think the backstory of it is kind of funny. But whenever Lulu tries to commit suicide and the dog commits suicide, that was a real dog. They really, they really hung it. It was on a, it was in a harness, and they medically put it to sleep for twenty minutes. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, because they had someone on set that said because they were trying to figure out how to do that, and they were like, "Yeah, we can just, you know." put it to sleep, you know, and it'll wake up fine. And so they put the dog to sleep, put it on a harness, and made it look oh, like the, the world things had gotten so bad that even the dog couldn't take it anymore. That's <laughs> terrible. Yes. <laughs> I feel bad for laughing at it, but I just love that, that, that note of goodbye, cruel world, and it's the dog. <laughs> Stupid. Yes. <laughs> And then um, I, I love the picnic uh, between Francine and Cuddles. Whenever uh, they try to just have a nice day and ants show up and a skunk shows up. Just, you know, one more thing going bad in Francine's life. Oh, and whenever she and Todd get together 
and they drive by uh, Elmer and Sandra with the flat tire, and it's just kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is going to be hard for two of us and really easy for two of us. What is something about the film that you didn't like? Uh, Mark, we'll go. (laughs) Okay. Um, I I think, and even though it's for the purposes of the film, it's just the way that Francine is treated throughout by everybody, especially her husband. It's like, yeah. You know, I mean, I understand he's got a, a, a very unique business and it's going to put them under a certain light. And it it sucked because, you know, he lorded it over her that, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, this is paying for this and this is paying for that. And he could tell her what to do and everything. And, and the whole time he was having an affair and it's like, you know, and then the kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what a nightmare. So it's just it's tough because. Overall, I'll say it's the treatment of her, and luckily things turn out better because I was like, I had forgotten the way it ended, and I was like, oh man, if they just like it just ends with her just getting completely like beat down from life and she's like in a mental institution, I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> but luckily I, things turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if he had come up with this story like five years earlier that probably would have been the ending but we yes. would probably be he would do, do it in a way where we were hailing it as a masterpiece <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah the 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 treatment of francine it kind of reminds me of uh all the scenes of josie grossy and never been kissed oh God, uh, yes oh my yes it's just oh like it's like can this poor girl get a break <laughs> oh poor josie grossy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that movie's still sitting by my blu-ray player like i'm gonna watch it sometime soon i might a, actually do it because I that movie a, is superior i love that movie um <laughs> debatable but <laughs> i i will i will back that up i love that film <laughs> oh yeah it was a lot of fun it's cute. It's super yeah. cute. Both films were cute with uh, very inappropriate content. <laughs> All right, Joseph, uh, limit yourself to five minutes or less. Uh, what did you not like about this film? Uh, see, the thing with John Waters is I, I, I like the idea of a lot of his stuff more than I like the execution most of the time. <laughs> but it's one of those... To me, it was just... I understood what they're going for. Just the acting. It got grating to me a little bit. And the more we're talking about right now, the more I, I appreciate it. And there are certain parts I enjoy more, but all as a whole, it's one of those, I will never watch this again. Unless you say, Hey, Justin, let's watch this again. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it's setting and everything. It's just some of that stuff. It's kind of like trauma. I like yeah. the trauma. I just don't really care for trauma itself watching it. It's just like, I, I don't really want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. We had, we had that conversation Saturday before you started watching the movie and knowing you not, you weren't a big trauma fan. That's why I was like, I think I know where you're going to land possibly. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't, re- again, I don't regret watching this at all. Yeah. It's Unlike Pink Flamingos where you, <laughs> I, I, nothing. I, I, I hated watching that movie, and I really haven't forgiven you yet. <laughs> and I just love that I can trigger you by saying "Papa Ooh Mow Mow." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and what's great is three of us know what that meant, and one of us is blissfully unaware. <laughs> oh, she is so lucky. I'm, I'm sitting over here like cuddles. Yeah, <laughs> as you should be. <laughs> 
All right. So, Sammy? Okay. So, I will say that uh, when I got prepared to watch this movie, I looked at the runtime and went, oh, thank God. Yes. <laughs> Same. Because I knew, I knew, I just knew what I was in for. So, this is what, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to echo most of what Joseph said. Um, while the acting was simultaneously something I appreciated about the film, because I understood the complexity of what was going on, and I will say this, this was not The Room. And um, The Room was a guy that thought he was making... Uh, Streetcar oh Named Desire. Street, uh, yeah, Streetcar Named Desire, but was actually making a 70s porno film. <laughs> I this, think you were right. I think, I, need, I, think that... I need to defend uh, 70s porno because those were competently made, usually. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a guy who knew what he was doing. And although I agree, I'm not a fan of the execution at all, He there was a purpose behind what he was doing. And so I can't appreciate that. The overacting was too much for me because what it tends to do is I'm only going to be invested in a film so to the point where I'm invested in the characters till I care what's going to happen to them. I didn't care about a single person in this movie. I cared about Francine a little bit because of how she was treated. So to the point that I felt bad for her character, but I didn't care for any of these characters. They, they, they were not sympathetic by any means. And the overacting completely ruined any suspension of disbelief. All it did was remind me that these are, it's bad acting in a movie. Like there wasn't a, there wasn't a second where I was sitting there and got like taken into what was going on. You know how when you, like when you watch something that's really, really good or a really good performance, sometimes you almost forget that they're a real person and they're just acting Mm -hmm. and you get sucked into the character. None of that occurred in this film. Well, and then the the case of cuddles, she wasn't really acting. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. At least she wasn't. It just takes me out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're thankful for concise trash. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm, I'm, when a movie is going to be like this, I'm very happy it's under an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should be happy to know that with the exception of maybe Hairspray and Serial Mom, which you need to see Serial Mom. This may be the only John Waters film I put you through. (laughs) Cause you know, I know I threaten you with Caligula, but as Joseph can attest to some of the stuff I've made you sit through over the years, I, I, I try to take it incredibly easy on you. And I, <laughs> I think that anything from multiple maniacs to uh, desperate living might send you over the edge slightly. <laughs> so really, <laughs> what I'm going to do with John Waters is John Waters, and, and don't take this as an insult, but he's getting shoved into the Wes Anderson category. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's I'm sorry, but that's really what he is for me. Not because he makes stuff artsy for the sake of being artsy. He makes stuff that I can appreciate how difficult it is to make and what he's doing, but is also just not for me. Yeah. Well, and... Uh, apart from Hairspray, Hairspray's awesome. Well, well, the run of Hairspray through... The run from Hairspray through Serial Mom, I think, is the safe zone. Yes. Then, totally agree. Dep- then, depending on how far you want to take it, 
Pecker and Sissel be demented are still kind of safe. And then everything else is like, no, don't do it, Sammy. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Serial Mom is so good, though. I think, I, it, Sammy, I think you would, if, if you haven't seen it, correct, right? No, I haven't. You would it, love that film. I yeah, think he would absolutely love that film. Oh, yeah, so much fun. Even <laughs> our friend, even our friend Sandy, thinks you should watch that movie. So yeah, yeah, I think that's you know that's probably one we should do. Yeah, and it has one of my favorite bands in it. <laughs> yes, L Seven <laughs> as Camel Lips. Yes. Oh my God, the best. <laughs> yeah, I I overpaid for a double CD of rarities uh, of L Seven songs uh, yeah. on eBay. So I could have gas chamber on disc. <laughs> so as for me, things I don't like, I'm going to say something maybe a little weird, but what, the moment Todd tomorrow honestly shows up and really from the point uh, is whenever I'm like, is this over with yet? Because I just, I think that, and I think John Waters would even agree that the way the Todd Tomorrow story unfolds, he would do differently now mm. instead of making him like one more awful thing in his yeah. life. Like, I really wish that, you know, the movie had ended with Todd being a nice guy and finally Francine had, you know, a man in her life that loved her and, you know, make that ending happier. So, uh, and... There, there are moments where this film does drag a little bit for me, but the the good stuff in this film just outweighs it so much. Like, like to the point where I'm even able to laugh at a dog committing suicide because it's so absurd and it's <laughs> hilarious. And that's kind of what I like about John Waters. It's like it's so absurd that it's funny. I mean, hairspray was an accident that it was. Uh, as popular and as a PG rating. I mean, he, John Waters said when he got his PG from the MPA, he's like, I will never work again. <laughs> and then cut two years later, our local theater, that was my first show I ever saw, uh, their production of Hairspray. And I just, you know, re-fell in love with John Waters, but I also fell in love with musical theater at that point. Just like full let's go <laughs> <laughs> did it tell you so. i saw bruce valanche in in the part really yes <laughs> nice i know right <laughs> yeah. and i love that i understood that reference and the other two don't <laughs> <laughs> that's why i brought it up to you yep. Thank you. <laughs> all right so let's ask the big question mark joseph sammy did you survive polyester mark yes Joseph? Uh, um, <laughs> whatever your answer is, I promise you're still friends with me, for better or worse. <laughs> well, damn it. <laughs> I mean, um, well, I'm going to say I I barely survived. Like I said, because it's not, believe me, I've seen a lot worse than this. Usually uh, thanks to me. Yeah, mostly thanks to you, actually. Yep. Uh, I've seen a movie called, uh, what was it, Creature in, in Theaters? Oh, that, yeah. Watchable, and somehow we sat through that whole damn thing in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, well, I've also made you watch Sallow, A Night of the Chicken Dead. Uh, True. Cal you made it through Caligula. Which is not a terrible movie, actually. 
No, it's just a boring movie. <laughs> it, it is very boring. Yeah. But, it, like you said, it, it's it's not my cup of tea. But it's one of those I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I saw what they're going for. It's just definitely not for me. And there are parts I do enjoy. There are parts that made me laugh. But they were few and far between. It's one of those, like, uh, this is this is not for me at all, for some reason. I just... But there are a couple of John Waters movies I like, but it's usually the more vanilla stuff, pretty much. Right. Crazy out there stuff. Right. Because I'm with Sammy on that, because it's kind of, he's kind of like Wes Anderson for me. Because, uh. Oh, yeah, I forgot you you two, both of y'all are heathens when it comes to that. (laughs) Wes Anderson is another one of those. I I can appreciate what he does. It's just not for me. I just don't get it. You're just going to lose some people when you just decide to be artsy for the sake of being artsy. And she's got a point. You you are. Okay. I, there's an entire collection of films called the Criterion Collection that beg to differ, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sammy, do I still have a co-host? <laughs> you do still have a co-host. Um, right. And this would be an excellent time for... Um, you know, us to have some actual criteria for deciding what it means to decide the film. <laughs> Just saying. Because <laughs> I'm a little bit lost here. Um, I'm trying to think of the films I even haven't survived, which I think Sleepaway Camp. I, I, and- think, I think you sur- said you barely survived. Uh, or no, what you didn't survive. Uh Tammy and the T-Rex. No, I did not survive Tammy and the T-Rex. Um, <laughs> that is even, true. I think that movie made you apologize to Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, um, yeah, this was a tough one. In as much as I agree, I don't think I would ever watch this movie again on my own. Um, if people wanted to watch it, I wouldn't... I wouldn't like, I wouldn't say no, you know, I wouldn't leave (laughs) if they wanted to watch this. (laughs) Um, You wouldn't call out to someone that's not in the room like, what? I'm coming. (laughs) And just disappear (laughs) into the night. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciated what he was doing, but I don't know if that appreciation was enough. So I'm going to go with barely didn't survive. All right. But But it's a very, it's a very close yeah it's a very close call yeah you you and joseph are both straddling the line (laughs) which which is great because i did i did anticipate both of y'all just absolutely hating this and that's and you know i didn't really have to prepare joseph because he'd seen pink flamingos and i just said look it's not as disturbing as that and with and for you and see i i don't mind disturbing i know disturbing shit but it's just like pink flamingos was just like i I can't do this. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny too because I were I remember as a kid seeing Crybaby, and a lot of people that I knew like applauded that is a great movie, and it is a good movie, and I remember liking it. So I did like it as a kid, but it wasn't one of my favorites. Yeah, and weirdly enough, um, me being one of the John Waters, you know, stands here, Crybaby is not one of my favorites, but I also feel the need like. I need to rewatch it because a lot of Waters films on the first watch can be a little much. And then on the second watch, you're like, okay, I get it. 
I, I totally agree. That's I the same exact way with that film. I don't think I ever quite warmed up to it, but I think it's time for me to rewatch it. Yeah. And also that was a hard film for John since it was the first film he made after John after Divine died. Divine. Yeah. 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 And it's just so sad that Divine went out, you know, after Hairspray was released, but and you know, cuz he was a you know, he had a huge career ahead of him like a, a whole new like legitimate career ahead of him and yeah. sadly it just didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, he he did get to uh, read all the nice things all the critics were saying about hairspray. So, oh, um, <laughs> yeah, and um, what and this was Edith Massey's last film with John, and uh, the reviews were the first were the first good reviews they'd had, and you know ever. Uh, and one of the one of the critics said about Edith Massey's like she either deserves the. Uh, the Academy Award or a 24-hour nurse. And when John read that to Edith, she was like, I'd like both, please. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I guess I have to answer. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. So um, I think it goes without saying I survived this film. Um, I pretty strongly survived this film. I also am looking forward to taking a break from this film because I've watched it four times in Jeez. five days. But you know, that, I typically torture myself for these for these episodes. Uh, but it was great um, watching this again. And you know, the first time I watched it, I hated it, and now I have this huge appreciation for it. Is it my favorite John Waters film? No, I would. It, you know, I would put Female Trouble and Serial Mom and Hairspray above it. Maybe even Pink Flamingos. Um, of course, I you know I have more of an appreciation for Pink Flamingos than um, you know, as as has been well established in this episode. But yeah, I mean, I, I like this one, and it it's kind of like whenever I was a kid and I got that Guns N' Roses covers album that they did. And they said, hey, go check out all the original stuff. Like, this makes me want to go back and see those melodramas that uh, John watched and, you know, influenced this film. Like, I, I've i never seen a Douglas Sirk film. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I should probably change that. Yeah. Well, the closest so, you've gotten is, uh, was it Far From Heaven, which I'm, I'm sure you've seen. Um, I haven't. Oh, oh, you yeah. need to watch that film. Todd Haynes. <laughs> Todd Haynes is another blind spot. The only film of yeah. his I've seen was his Bob Dylan film, and I was just like, okay, okay. I don't really need to see any Todd Haynes films. But yeah. I, I want to. I do need. I know I need to see Far From Heaven, oh, and okay. I want to see. Uh, is it Safe? The oh yeah kinda, yeah yeah yeah. I, I've yeah. seen that, so that that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the ride. Yeah, he's another one that had a very oh well and obviously i need to see the karen carpenter story that he directed i've I've never found like a good no the uh movie that was made with barbie dolls oh okay yeah he his very first see that because i love the carpenters and i i would i'm assuming i would be quite disturbed (laughs) yeah because it was banned and i think it was banned mostly because of the you know unlicensed use of um carpenter's music yeah 
But, I mean, he kind of started off like John Waters. Like, his first films were very, you know, not mainstream. And then he kind of somehow became mainstream. Oh, wait, he did that Dark Waters movie with Mark Ruffalo that I I left the theater, like, furious. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I learned from this film? I learned a very important lesson. When John gets excited, uh, be afraid? No. Not every, unfortunately, <laughs> not every writer and director can be Aaron Sorkin. No, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of writers, uh, Sammy, what are nice we doing segue. this week? Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> I'm finally getting back control. Thank God. Um. Yeah, but you lose it right after. So. <laughs> We are going to uh, we're going to tackle a movie that has nothing to do with the movie we watched last week. Um, they're not at all similar in any way. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> we're going to watch uh, Freedom Riders. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this one because, like I told you, I saw the YouTube video of the actual teacher and one of her actual students, and even just talking about their experience. And I was just like, I, I guess I need to see that movie now. So, mm. yeah, yeah, because I. And, I never seen it before either so i've seen the cover but i've never seen it yeah yeah i I recognize it oh not to spoil anything it's it's easily easily in my top 100 list if not in my top like i like the actors in it's got hillary swank and you know yep it's got uh, hillary's wank in it yes that's that's right (laughs) i mean honestly though like think if you've seen any of them think um Stand and deliver, lean on me. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's definitely it's, got it's a dangerous Mr. mind. Mr. Mr. Holland's opus. It's, I mean, it's very in that vein. Nice. And then after that, I get control with a film a little bit closer to the film we just watched because we've got showgirls on the docket. Nice. Oh, God, is that when that's happening? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, McDreamy's in, in that film. That's right. So, in Freedom Riders. Okay, I was like, I don't oh, remember yeah, him in Showgirls. What? No, yes, yes, <laughs> is in Freedom Riders. <laughs> it's like, I, it's like, I, I remember Kyle MacLachlan and his chin. Uh, well, yes, exactly. Uh, and that pool. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after Showgirls, we're going to do Pride Month. So uh, nice. I've got to make hard decisions on a couple of the weeks. Because it's like, do I pick this really good film or this other really good film? So, all right. Well, Mark, Joseph, thank you for coming back and doing this again. Um, And uh, listeners, thank you for putting up with us for another week. Uh, If you like this, go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. Now, look at me, iTunes. Uh, But give us a five-star rating. Uh, Follow us on Facebook. Follow just follow me on Twitter. It's at TrapperJohn1210. I post when the episodes are up, and I also post uh, the occasional unhinged thing uh, that I don't put on my Facebook. Uh, and then Sammy has control of TikTok and Instagram. So, And uh, if there's something you want us to cover, or if you just want to yell at us, uh, specifically me, just shoot us an email at survivingchickflicks at gmail.com. Again, Joseph, you cannot write in. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll just call you up and yell at you. That's what I usually do anyways. Yeah, I'll just go back to ignoring your phone calls. <laughs> of course you will. Oh, I'm, I'm busy. 
<laughs> All right. Well, listeners, thank you for listening once again. Surviving Chick Flicks is created and hosted by John Baggett and Samantha McDaniel. Our audio engineer and editor is Cody McLean. For an ad-free version of the show, please visit patreon.com slash surviving chick flicks, where $5 a month gets you an ad-free version of the show, as well as our manly movie of the month. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. All opinions are that of the hosts, and no copyright infringements are intended. Surviving Chick Flicks is a Circle of Jug production, all rights reserved. Look at this dress, Francine. Isn't it Rasha Shah? It's very pretty, Cuddles. Oh. Oh. Oh, a Halston. How all Karant.